Well, good morning, friends. How are we doing this morning? So good to see you here this morning. My name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor. And if you're a guest with us this morning, welcome to Radiant Life. And you've chosen an incredible week to come and experience worship with us this morning because we have a guest speaker, and I'll get into that in a moment. But I want to highlight three quick announcements for us uh, this morning. So the first is this. Go ahead, Nick. First Wednesday, if you were here, yeah, yeah I was going to say yesterday. Uh, last week, if you were here, we kind of uh, started or launched this idea of what our first Wednesdays are going to be. First Wednesday is every first what day of the month? Wednesday. Yeah, not your question. Every first Wednesday of the month, you're going to experience prayer and worship. This is for you. It starts at 6 o'clock to 7. While the kids are in the back for glow, illuminate, ignite, uh, so that would be nursery all the way up through sixth grade, have stuff going on. Um, and while they're going on, you can bring your kids, and then we're going to be in here as teens and adults, and we're just going to worship, and we're going to pray together. And so here's what it looks like every first Wednesday, and it's going to kick off in 10 days, November 7th. We've already planned it, and here's what it's going to look like. The first 15 minutes, we got two songs we're going to worship to, and then it's going to have a devotion time in there. And then the next 30, sec uh, 30 seconds, the next 30 minutes is going to be you and praying. Nothing forced. It's just you and God. And here, for 30 minutes, I know some of us are like, I can't even pray for 10 seconds. How am I going to do it for 30 minutes? We're going to have prayer guides for you to help. I promise you this. When you're experiencing the presence of God, 30 minutes is going to go like that. We're going to have people over in the corner over here anointing you with oil and praying over you. We're going to have communion here. It's going to be 30 minutes of just you. I'm going to promise you this. You're going to see me pace all over this place. I'm going to be in prayer. Next week, I didn't let first service know this, so you're the lucky service. Next week, as you come in, you're going to get a first Wednesday prayer card. And we're going to put prayer cards. You don't even have to put your name on it. We're going to have them all in the front of the stage on this Wednesday. So part of your prayer time is coming and laying hands and taking these cards and maybe laying hands on them or going back to your seat and praying and then coming back. And it's just going to be awesome. So turn to your neighbor and say, be there. All right, so that's only 45 minutes of the hour. The last 15 minutes is we're going to do a corporate prayer together and we're going to close with an awesome worship song. Sound good? Come on, because some of us, we just need a breath of Jesus in the midst of our week, you know? Let's not wait Sunday to Sunday. So we're going to do this for you, so let's be there. Let's, that's going to be awesome. I'm so excited. Here's the next announcement. We've had so many people ask us, hey, well, when are you going to do the next baptism? I'm ready to take my next step in the faith, and I know it's baptism. November 25th, right after Thanksgiving. you got Thanksgiving Thursday. You shoppers are going to be out Thursday night, Thanksgiving night, or Black Friday, and then we're going to roll into Sunday as we kick off the Christmas season together. We're kicking it off with baptism. So if you need to take your first step and you know, man, I haven't been baptized yet, or for, uh, we've had a lot of you just rededicate your life uh, through baptism, you should have gotten a handout when you came in, and on the bottom's that connection card. Circle B. Grab it now. Rip it off. Circle B. Give us your T-shirt size because we want to give you a T-shirt. But we're going to celebrate baptism this Christmas season. Can I get a good amen? It's going to be fun, all right? Here's the last announcement is tonight. Awesome, you took it off. Tonight is our financial learning experience, 5 to 7 o'clock. And if you didn't sign up, we've been having sign up, you can still come. 
But uh, it's going to be an incredible experience for you. I promise you there's anointing on Joe's, Joe's life to talk about finances, and it's just incredible. And we'll have pizza and food for you. Bring your kids. There's stuff in our kids' ministry for your kids, and they'll feed them back there as well. Go home. I just looked up lions and bears. They all play at 1 o'clock, so those games will be over by 5, all right? So there you go, 5 to 7 o'clock, and you're going to want, because in a moment, Joe's going to come up and preach to us, and he's an incredible communicator, and you're going to get fired up. And that's one of the things that Joe likes to say is get fired up. So let me hear you say, get fired up. Hey, can I just, first of all, before Joe comes up, I got to thank our board. Our board is our leadership team that uh, holds me accountable, and then we just do stuff, and we make decisions as a church moving forward. But your board that represents your voice, was willing to bring this guy here for you, to bless you. So can we just give a hand for our board and their investment in you guys? Because they made that decision for you. They did. And so, Joe comes from, I'm sure his state is much more sunnier than ours right now, but Joe comes from South Carolina. Can we welcome to the Radiant Life stage, everyone, Joe Single. Thank you, brother. Fired up. <laughs> Get fired up! Woo! I'm so excited to be with you today, and South Carolina is indeed sunnier and warmer right now, uh, but that's awesome. I'm so excited to be here in the rain in Sturgis, Michigan, fired up to be able to see what God is doing here at Radiant Life Church. Uh, before we dive in the message today, I want to make sure you know a little bit about why I'm fired up and why I'm so energetic and I have so much energy. Uh, one of the reasons is because I'm the youngest of six boys, and uh, so I grew up and was born just south of Indianapolis, Indiana, in Columbus, uh, Indiana, if you know where that's at on I-65, maybe 30 minutes south of Indy, and my mother and father had four boys, and they tried one more time to have a daughter. They really wanted a daughter, and so their youngest was six years old. My mother was pregnant and in labor. It was March 31st, 10.30 at night, and so March 31st, what is the next day after that? April Fool's Day. This is important and relevant to the story uh, because my mother was in labor and the nurse was listening to the baby with a stethoscope. This is in 1974, about 45 years ago. And so she got a puzzled look and went, raced out and got a doctor and said, there's something wrong with this baby's heartbeat. And the doctor listened and he smiled and said, there's nothing wrong with the baby's heartbeats. There's two of them. And my mother said what I think any mother would say at that moment. She said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I am going to have one baby, and it's going to be, it better be a girl or I'm sending it back. I have witnesses, that's what she said. She said, it is not April Fool's Day yet, uh, and I'm having one, it's going to be a girl. So a half hour later, my identical twin brother was born, and seven minutes later, I was born. Yes. My mother did not cheer. Um, in fact, uh, she cried, and she said, the Lord has spoken. If we try to have a daughter again, we'll have triplet boys. So we are through with this. And so uh, I'm the youngest of six boys, so being loud was essential to my very survival. And uh, so uh, it was great. I grew up there. Uh, I went off to Purdue University. I studied mechanical engineering. I graduated, but barely, barely. I didn't get a single A in a single engineering class. Um, some people graduate with special honors like magna cum laude or summa cum laude. I graduated with lesser known honors called thank the laude and got out of there. And... Uh, I moved to South Carolina in 1998 with a job transfer, found living specimens of palm trees, said this is obviously of the Lord, and uh, went to Clemson University, got my MBA, and God had me help plant a church there. 
and God grew up that church tremendously, and I subsequently went on staff there, and it's been amazing. And uh, I have a particular passion for speaking on this topic of stewardship, and that's what we're going to talk about today in this series called Change Maker. And I'm kicking off this series, and I just want to start by saying every single one of you is a change maker, for good or for worse. And you have a power within you to make change for good. And today we're going to talk about how to be able to do that and how to be intentionally generous and talk about giving. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And I pray that it's helpful to you, encouraging to you, and also a challenge to you. And we're going to look at a passage of scripture that is documented uh, in the book of John, chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. And it is the documentation of a miracle that's commonly known as the feeding of the 5,000. And so we're going to read this and we're going to dive in to see what we might be able to learn from it. So this will be fun. It says in John 6, verse 5, it says, When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And I want to stop right there because there's surely someone here today that God has asked you a question and you think it's a rhetorical question or you don't comprehend the fact that God already has in mind what he's going to do. His question is, will you respond to, to the question? It's a test. He already has in mind what he's going to do. So if you felt like God is pressing in on you to answer a question, he's asking you a question, hey, I encourage you to take the step of answering it, whatever the Lord has asked you to do, because he already has in mind what he's going to do. The Lord has a plan. And Philip answered him, and you can almost hear the incredulousness in his voice. He says, it would take more than half a year's wage to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Like, for real, like, get real, Jesus, right? And another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, here's a boy with five small loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? So this is where we get the title of this is the fish and chip story, okay? And, uh, but how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, have these people sit down. There's plenty of grass in that place. And they sat down, and about five people were there. Is that what it says? How many were there? And about five thousand men were there scholars say there's families with their families there's at least ten thousand people here okay so now you know why he was saying it will take like a year's wages to buy enough for a bite and jesus then took the loaves he gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated one bite each is that true no as much as they wanted he did the same with the fish and when they had all had enough everybody say enough enough when they had had enough to eat he, Jesus will always satisfy, I'm telling you. And he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. That's an incredible passage of scripture. And we're going to see today about what happens when we give. What really happens through change makers when we give. Will you pray with me as we ask the Lord to speak to us during this message? God, I pray right now that through your anointing and your Holy Spirit that you would speak to each of our hearts. God, help us to learn from this miracle that you performed and remind us, Lord, that as you work miracles then, you can and still work miracles today. For those praying for miracles, speak to them of what your request is of them. God, give them the faith and courage to take those steps 
It's your name that we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Today I'm going to talk about three things that happen when we give. Uh, really, any time that you give, three things happen. And we're going to walk through each of those, and we can see it here in the story. And the first thing that happens when we give, if you're taking notes, is that when we give, we honor God. When we give, we honor God. And, and so think about this boy. When he surrendered his lunch and put it in the hands of the Lord Jesus, did he not honor him? He did, right? When your child does something you ask them to do, does it honor you? In that rare moment when they actually do it, does it not? It's like, oh my goodness, they actually did that. It honors you. In the same way, dads, when your child does what you ask them to do and it honors you, the father, when the boy put his lunch in the hands of the Lord Jesus, he honored God. That same thing happens each time that we give. When we give, we honor God. In fact, throughout God's word, there's this crazy word that we really don't say too often in our regular everyday language called first fruits. In fact, scattered throughout the scripture, this word first fruits related to giving to God the first fruits, the tithe, he mentions this word first fruits. It's in the Bible a lot. In fact, in the NIV 2011 edition, first fruits is mentioned 32 times. If you prefer the King James Version, then thou shalt find it there 30 times. That's a church joke. And uh, ESV edition, it's there 33 times. And guess how many times the word last fruits is mentioned in all editions combined? That's right, exactly zero. God wants to be first. And this word first fruits is unique, uh, but I learned this as a child. You know, being the youngest of six boys, my, my father and mother, they, they had lots of challenges just keeping food on the table for us. And my dad, he talks about times when he was driving his 1974 Oldsmobile Delta 88 Royale Coppertone. Come on, get fired up. Land yacht. Yeah. <laughs> right? And, uh, and there are seat belts. What are those? My four older brothers got the back seat. And me and my twin either got to sit in the back window or in the hump. Anybody know about the hump? <laughs> uh -huh. Sit on the hump. Right? Very comfortable. Right? And uh, my dad said he would look in the rearview mirror. And he would see these six sets of eyes staring at him, and he'd be like, oh my goodness, we're not going to make it. How in the world do I feed these critters? And so uh, he, had a, he had the Spirit of the Lord to come up upon him, and he decided that what we should do is grow our food. And so I got to do gardening. Who here got to grow up doing gardening? Who was indentured servants in gardening? <laughs> That's right. And because every springtime, my parents would put us to work, and they, we would plant like a half acre, even sometimes an acre of sweet corn. And uh, then we would plant uh, like a quarter acre of green beans, some Blue Lake bush green beans. And I hated every one of those seeds, every one of them. I put those seeds in the ground because I know that I would plant them and God would make them grow. I mean, I poured diesel fuel on them. They still grow. And they would grow. And then without even consulting my calendar or schedule, my mother would announce that it was green bean picking day. For real. And, and did your parents consult with your calendar? No. And so I would go out there and I would have to pick these green beans. And I would pick bushels of them. And I mean big bushel. I'd have this bushel container which is 32 U.S. quarts. Right? I learned that at Purdue. And uh, you pick all these green beans 
And uh, then after you pick them, your work's not done. Because then what you got to do? Got to snap them. And then you got to can them. And the only thing that would redeem the day is my mother would let us share. Whew, I can feel the spirit of the Lord in this place. A glass bottle, 16 ounces of ice cold Coca-Cola. Woo! Come on right now. We'd have to share it because this was a rare moment in our house. And for real. And we would can over 100 quarts of green beans a day. And uh, basically, we had them every meal. How do you want your eggs at breakfast? Here's a side of green beans. Get fired up. <laughs> but, but here's what I know. There was something special about the first produce from the garden. Isn't there? It's like, man, you've been, you've been having all this canned food, and man, they're finally ready. And man, the tomatoes, the tomatoes, the first ones would come out of the garden. You know what I'm talking about? Now, I think they're poisonous. I hate them, Right? But, but my brothers, man, they would go out with a salt shaker and wade through the garden and just eat these tomatoes, juice going everywhere, slaughter, horrible. They really loved the yellow tomatoes for some reason. And then they would go like to the cucumbers and to the peppers and the first fruits. The first fruits are awesome. And uh, by the fourth week, right, you've got so many coming out of your ears, like you can't even give them away. You've got zucchinis the size of baseball bats, right? And, uh, you know what I'm talking about. There's something special about the first fruits. And, the, and God's word talks about it, that God wants to be first. And it's this word tithe, which means one-tenth of a whole, the first 10%. And God wants us to put him first, and it's how he says that we honor him. And it's not because God is broke and needs our money. He owns it all, amen? That what it is, that he recognizes what travels with the first fruits. In fact, Jesus speaks specifically about it in Matthew Chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, he says, Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then he reveals it. For where your treasure is, there your what? Heart will be also. And this is where we see why God wants us to be givers. is because when we give, he knows that our heart transfers with it. And when we give the first fruits, our heart really transfers with it. And he is in the heart transformation business. He cares greatly about our hearts. Wherever our treasure is, our hearts will be there also. This is one reason that we love our children so much. Think about how much money travels to them. You know, it takes, on average... $250,000 to get your kid from zero to age 18. Parents of young children, do you feel financial pressure? You can name them by name, right? It's one reason you love them so much. And you love them and your money flows to them. And I, I, I'm told and I have observed this, I am not a grandparent, but let me tell you, I have seen that grandparents, as special things happens. Like they have that first grandchild, and they look at that grandchild, see if I'm right, grandparents, and you hold that first grandchild, and you're like, my goodness, how in the world did good looks and intelligence skip a generation? Straight for me to this grandchild, and your wallet sort of levitates out of your pocket. Is this true? Do I have a witness? Right? My parents are not my parents. I don't know who they are when they're around the grandkids. Right? They're just weird. They're not normal. They're way more generous. It's unbelievable. They're more forgiving. Right? It's unbelievable. Right? Why? Because we love them, and our resources will flow to them. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
You see, when we give, we honor God. And th this is something that is interesting. It is covered in this, this book that was written in the 1850s. It's by a French writer. He was writing on the issues of poverty in the slums around Paris and in other cities uh, in, the, in the country of France. And this book is an amazing, impactful book. Uh, and in fact, became a runaway smash success on Broadway. Uh, and I, I, I am not French. I know that you might have the weird thought that I am French, but, but I'm not. So when I kind of butcher the explanation of this word, you'll just know I'm not French, okay? But it's pronounced something like Les Miserables. Something like that. It looks like Les Miserables, right? But it's Les Miserables. And he wrote this book, and he had an amazing statement. It's in the play as well. Victor Hugo, the author, writes this amazing statement. It said, he said, you can give without loving, but you can never love without giving. The great acts of love are done by those who are habitually performing small acts of kindness. We pardon to the extent that we love. And love is knowing that even when you're alone, you'll never be lonely again. And great happiness of life is the conviction that we are loved. Love for ourselves, and yes, even loved in spite of ourselves. That, my friends, is the gospel, just in different language. You see, when we give, we honor God, and we cannot love without giving. You cannot say, I love God, and not be a giver. It is impossible. When we give, we honor God. The second thing that I see happen in the story, and that happens every time we give, is when we give, we bless others. When we give, we bless others. Now this boy, he gave up his lunch, and he put it in the hands of the Lord Jesus, and let's ask the question, did it bless others, yes or no? Yes, it fed 5,000 men and their families. Isn't that incredible? Now, I, I don't know if you ever have been, but I have been a young boy before. And I know Joe Sangle at the younger age um, might have just maybe uh, done this number if I had prepared and brought my lunch and all these 5,000 men showed up unprepared. I might have just said, you know what? Um, no, I'm not sharing. In fact, you bozos should have prepared. And in fact, I'm, I'm going to take a bite of it right now, fish and chips, right? Mmm, this is amazing. This tastes good. Do you want some? Sorry, too bad, so sad. Go call your dad, right? Because I've been a teenage boy before. But this boy, he chose what was greater. He chose to give up his lunch and put it in the hands of the Lord Jesus, and it blessed thousands of others. Isn't that incredible? See, when you place gifts, your talents, your abilities, and your financial resources in the hands of the Lord Jesus, listen, that's the way you can be a change maker. Because in the hands of the Lord Jesus, great miracles can take place. And it will bless others. In fact, we see this with the early church. In Acts 4, it's documented that says, there were three needy persons among them. Is that what it says? There was one needy person. There were how many needy persons? None. No needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them. They sold assets. Is that crazy? And they brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. 
and it was distributed to anyone who had need. How amazing is that? Hey, listen, that is challenging. Selling assets that you have to give to those who have needs. That's how you bless others. And, and when you give, you indeed bless others. And I wanted to kind of talk about a way that this has happened in my life. Uh, and I want you, to, this is an all skate. I want you to think about this. This should be fun. This will be great. Uh, I want you to think of a time that you were given a gift, some gift in your life that you recall. Uh, maybe it was a Christmas when you were a kid. Maybe it was last week at a birthday. Maybe it was a retirement party. But it was a, some gift that comes to mind. I want you to get it right here in the front of your brain, okay? So I want you to think specifically of the gift and who gave it to you, okay? So think about it, okay? If you have it, kind of nod at me, kind of have that gift, okay? So when you received that gift, did it bless you? Some of you thinking of the gift, and it was 40 or more years ago, are still emotional about the gift even to this day. Why? Because when we give, it blesses others. You're a witness to that. And I'll never forget having this moment come into full clarity in my life. It happened when I was 18 and I was graduating from high school. My parents were so pumped up that their last ones, the twins, were graduating. My parents took Proverbs 22, 6, quite literally, that says, train up a child in the way they should go. And they emphasized that word, that we needed to leave. They had 32 straight years of kids in the house, and they made no hidden secret that it was on their agenda for us to go. And so they didn't even mask their excitement. They threw a huge party uh, for us when we graduated. And I quickly realized it was for them when I opened the gift from them, and it was luggage. Like, for real. <laughs> we love you. Pack up. You need to leave. Right? That's a word for the Lord for somebody here. Right? And, and so, so well, I was like, I get the picture. This is awesome. And uh, I don't remember any other gifts that I received that day except for one. And it was from my friend Jason's mom. Let me tell you the backstory of Jason's mom and his family. I grew up with Jason. Went to the same church, grew up all my life with him, very close friends with Jason and his family. His mother was a, a, a person who was an immigrant. She met a U.S. soldier overseas. They fell in love. She moved back to the States, um, and they quickly had three children. When she found out she was pregnant with the fourth child, her husband ran away. I don't know why. I never met him. His, this fourth child became my friend Jason. And he never met his father. And, and so she did not know the, the English language, hardly at all. Had no marketable skill sets. Fell ill and ended up on disability. And uh, lived in abject poverty. Like, like free HUD housing, free food, completely broken and sick. Get the picture. And uh, our, our church, uh, they, they had accepted Christ and... Uh, they were in church every time the doors were open. Many times had to be carried there in a car. Somebody had to pick them up. Broke. Like, get the picture. Capital letters, P-O-V-E-R-T-Y, poverty. Uh, they were so broke that it got the attention of Bob Knight, the Indiana Hoosiers basketball coach, and he actually donated shoes that the basketball team had so that my friend could have shoes. 
like that level of broke. So you can imagine at my high school graduation party when my friend's mother approached me and my twin. We were kind of sitting here in some chairs opening some gifts. And she presented each of us with a card. And I opened the card and opened it up. And in it was a single dollar bill. And she hurriedly said in her broken English, I can hear it now, saying, I ironed it so the dollar bill would look new. And I remember, like, at that moment, the world just started spinning around me. And, and I, I could hardly stand up. And, and I, I jumped down and I gave her this big, giant hug. She was about this tall. And, and I literally experienced the moment that's documented in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44, commonly known as the widow's mite or the copper coin story where Jesus observed people giving, and he said the wealthy threw in large amounts, but the widow threw in two copper coins, all that she had to live on, and he called his disciples over, and he said, hey, listen, she gave more than anybody because she gave everything. And, and at that moment, I sat there and I said, I, it marked me deeply. I, I'm sure you can tell. In fact, I said, I cannot spend this dollar. In fact, I, I put it away, and in the course of the next 20 plus years, 25 years or so, it moved with me each time that I moved, five or six times. And about a year ago, I was recalling this moment, and I decided to go try to find this card. And so my wife was so excited as she saw me dragging boxes out of the attic. And uh, so guess what box it was in, for real? The last one. Like, for real, like, I got to the last one, and I'm like, do I still have this? And it was in the bottom of that box, of course, and I pulled out this shoe box, and I couldn't have told you what it looked like, but the moment I saw it, I was like, that's it. And I opened it up, and there's her, her scrawling handwriting of her name, and there's that dollar. It's still basically flat. It's a little wrinkled. She ironed it. And I actually had it framed with that passage of Scripture, Mark 12, 41 through 44, and I have it in my office. And here's the, here's the point. Many of us, we kind of say, my giving doesn't matter. I can't give very much. But let me tell you something. It matters greatly. I'm sitting here talking about how a dollar has marked me for generosity for all of my life. Don't begrudge the gift that you're able to give. Because it will bless others. And it's not how much you give. It's what you give into proportion to what the Lord has blessed you with. Amen? And, and I'll just say this, I, 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 was, uh, I was recently helping a church in, in North Carolina, and they're, they're expanding just like you guys are expanding, and God has sent a major harvest, they're building a new facility, and, and a, a guy who's right at retirement age um, is pondering giving a major financial gift, the largest financial gift of his life, far larger than anything he ever thought of, but he felt like God was compelling him to give it, and so I don't know if you know this, but, you know, even when God gives you the ability to give a large gift, it still doesn't make it easy. And uh, so he was like, you know, I, I need some encouragement in this gift. And so he called his parents who were in their 80s, who'd been in church all their life. And, and he called them and said, you know, we're, we, God is sending this huge harvest at our church. There's an amazing harvest happening. Tons of people accepting Christ. We're baptizing tons of people, having huge impact, change-making stuff happening in our community 
and I'm thinking about giving, and he told them how much money. And he said, you know, frankly, I, I'm calling to get some encouragement. Tell me about a time that you guys sacrificed huge and gave like that. Like, encourage your sons. And he said there was this really long, drawn-out pause on the phone call. And finally, his dad spoke up and said kind of forlornly, you know, son, I don't think there's ever been a time that we've ever sacrificed for the Lord's work. And I sat there and I heard the story of this, this guy in his mid-60s sharing that story. And he said, you know, I'm thankful that I'm not going to be saying that when I'm 80 because I'm going to sacrifice this gift. And he did. And let me tell you, I'm grateful that I get to live at age 44, almost 45, and I know I won't say that. And my question is, are you able to say that? When is the last time you sacrificed in such a way that it got your attention and you did it for something much greater than yourself? Because that's when you do change making within yourself and you bless countless others. See, when we give, it blesses others. The third thing that happens when we give is we give, we honor God. The second thing, when we give, we bless others. Third thing is, when we give, we are blessed. We are blessed. It's incredible what happens. When this boy gave up his lunch and put it in the hands of the Lord Jesus, did he end up blessed? He walked away with 12 baskets of croutons. I know they're croutons. That's what happens to bread, right, for after day, right? And, and so he's walking away, lugging away 12 baskets of croutons. Let me tell you something. He had the overwhelming, abundant blessing of the Lord. He was blessed. Isn't that incredible? And I think about that and say, that's awesome. He got 12 baskets of bread. That's awesome. But perhaps, and I believe this is the greater blessing, is he got to walk away with the blessing of the story. That for the rest of his life, he could say, let me tell you about this time. I brought some fish and some loaves of bread and put it in Jesus' hands. And let me tell you, brother, this, this miracle that happened was unbelievable. Like, do you think he ever tolerated somebody the rest of his life who would say, hey, uh, it, it's not worth it to give or to, to serve others? I bet you he would say, hey, listen, I hear what you're saying. Come over here. Let me tell you a story about a time I was a kid. I didn't want to, but I did. And I put my fish and my loaves of bread in the Lord's hands. And let me tell you, you cannot give God. You see, when we give, we position ourselves for blessing. Yes, financial, but far beyond financial. In fact, there's this great verse that I love found in the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, uh, chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. And it says this great statement. It says, bring the whole tithe. So tithe, literally interpreted, means one-tenth of a whole part. It's the first fruits. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Uh, the word for this in, in, the, in the Bible is temple. That's the temple. That there may be food in my house. And he says these four words. Say these four words with me. Let's go. Test me in this. Says Joe Sengel. Says Pastor Ryan. Who says it? The Lord Almighty. Says test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I don't throw open the floodgates of heaven. And pour out so much blessing there will not be room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe. Says the Lord Almighty. It's incredible. Incredible verse. But let me tell you something. Uh, when I read this verse, I see that it's an if-then statement. 
Now listen, at Purdue, I had a 2.64 GPA, and I didn't learn a whole lot, but I did learn about this thing called if-then statements in my computer programming class, and, and, and in geometry class, and, and in linear algebra class, and differential equations, and help me, Jesus, right? And, uh, and, and let me tell you, it says, if this is true, then this is true. If this is not true, then this cannot be true. And that's what this is. And many people get all excited about the blessings that you won't have room enough to contain. And, whoo, Lord, sit it all down. I receive it. But they forget there's an if part that has to be true for that to be true. Look at this. It says, if you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, if you test the Lord in this, then see if I not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there not be room enough to store it. Do you see it? There has to be the if if you're going to have the then. And that's how we position ourselves for blessing is partnering with the Lord to be a change maker. And, and God, it's the only place God says, test me. And what I found is amazing is, let me tell you, uh, I, I used to be broke. Has anybody here ever been broke before? I'm not asking if you're broke right now. Anybody been broke before? Admit it, right? Like I'm talking college broke, right? Where if you had a $20 bill, it's like being a multimillionaire, Right? And so I was broke, and my money journey really started at Purdue. I mean, I, I went to Purdue, and I started dating this girl, and my finances kind of went into the ditch. Has anybody had a relationship? Go, yeah, yeah, marriage is grand, divorce, that's at least 100 grand, right? Uh, but let me tell you something. Uh, I, I, this girl's name, turns out she's dating lots of people. Her name was Sally Mae. Yeah, anybody know Sally Mae or Navient or Frederick Direct Loan or any of those? I financed all my college education, and... My parents were like, you're on your own. And so I had all the student loan debt headed my way. And then my first weekend there, I got free stuff for filling out some credit card applications. Man, it was awesome. What's your name? Joseph Single. What's your income? Zero dollars per year or week. Choose it. And uh, I have no job. And I got free stuff. I got a free t-shirt from AT&T that advertised their long distance service. The millennials are confused. Like, long distance? Right? It used to cost you money to call Howe, Indiana, for real. Right? Think about data. It's similar to data, millennials, okay? And then I got, I got a free two liter of Coca-Cola. That's good wages. And then I got, a, I got a duffel bag from American Express that I still use for hunting to this day. And so I admitted on paper I had no job and no income. Do you think they gave me a credit card? Yes, because they know college students who have parents who generally take mercy on pity on their student's soul right and bail them out they didn't know my parents who said you on your own right so I, I quickly ran up a huge balance and then I graduated after four years with that thank the laddie degree and uh, I, I asked my college sweetheart heart to marry me and uh, she's from Plymouth Indiana and uh, she said yes and so we, I financed the engagement ring the wedding ring the wedding the honeymoon to Jamaica all on the credit card and then I bought a car and then I bought a truck, because I'm sure that's in the Bible somewhere, that every guy needs a truck. I'm sure it's there. I've not found it, but I'm confident. It may be the first book of Hesitations, chapter 3, verse 2, somewhere like that. <laughs> financed it all, 100%. Moved to South Carolina. We bought a house, financed almost all of it. Bought furniture, 24 months, same as cash. And I found myself totally broke. Have you ever been anything like that? And there came this moment where I was telling God what the problem was. That he was the problem. That, he, that I needed more income, that, that I could not possibly be the problem. And so God gave me more income. Do you think it helped? False. I spent it up even faster. 
And there came a moment where I realized that I, I'm, I was going around telling I'm so broke jokes, like so bad. I was going around saying I'm so broke that when people ring my doorbell, I have to yell ding dong out the window myself. I'm so broke, I was walking down the street with one shoe on. They said, hey, you lost a shoe. I said, no, I found one. I mean, I'm so broke, I had to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and lick other people's fingers. I mean, it was bad. Don't do that. It's really weird. Um, but that's broke. Don't do that. And I, and, and I read this verse about putting God first. And, and let me tell you, I didn't get good grades, but I did learn that if I gave 10% away, that 100% minus 10% equals 90%. Is this true, Michigan grads? Okay, that's good. Okay, help me. I'm going to Purdue. I can't do this hard math. And I sat there and said, God, now check this out. I can't make it on 100%. How am I possibly going to make it on 90%? And all he said is test me. So I did. And I may have done something that I have titled angry tithe. I know no one here has ever done angry tithing. But here's how it rolls. You're mad, you can't pay your bills, you're always broke, and you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, and so you're like, you say, test me, I'll test you right now, and you write a check, 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 and write a check so that you can have some float, right? And, and you write the check, and you're, you're just test you right now. That's angry tithing. I know no one here has ever done that. And can, can I tell you what I discovered? That God does what only he can do. The miracle showed up. In fact, you cannot give 10%, watch this, the first 10%, without your heart transferring to that work to be a change maker. And you can't give that 10% without being a better manager of the other 90%. And it made me realize he's the owner of it all. And so me and my bride did something outrageous. We put together a budget. And then we did something even crazier. We followed it. Did you know that's a fruit of the Spirit, self-control? It is. And so we followed that budget, and I stand here, God is my witness, in our 185th consecutive month of budgeting. That's 15 years and five months. In 14 months, we paid off all of our debt except for our house. At age 38, we paid off our house. We've been able to live the life of blessing. We've been able to go full-time on staff at a church we helped start. And I negotiated a 50% pay cut. And I'm able to prosper. Why? Because I eliminated all of the debt out of my life. And let me tell you something. The liberty and the freedom that has happened in my life, the ability to be consistently generous, the ability to be overflowing generous, to be able to live in the center of God's calling in my life, I want that for everyone here today. And you can have it. And my challenge for each of you is to consider what your next step might be. Because if it is to consider giving, hey, remember that when you give, you honor the Lord always. You will always bless others, and it positions you for blessing. This afternoon at 5 o'clock, I'm going to teach the financial learning experience. It is a fantastic equipping workshop where I'm going to share how we practically put in place these biblical and spiritual principles. They are principles like budgeting, paying off debt, saving money, investing. All the tools are free. There's over 100 of them. Um, there's free child care. And let me tell you something. There's no real sales pitch. You can buy a book if you want. Uh, but let me tell you something. I want you free. And listen, you have friends and family who need this too. Invite them. We've got room for them. I know that 180 or so of you have already signed up. And I can't wait to see you there. Will you pray with me? 
God, I thank you so much for every single life represented here. God, may we all recognize the potential of the power of change that could happen through us when we surrender everything that we have to you, knowing you're the owner of it all anyhow. God, I pray you would give us clarity for our next steps. God, help us to always recognize that you're the biggest giver ever and that we're created in your image, and that's why our hearts are set on fire when we're able to give. God, you, you gave your one and only son, and he gave his one and only life that we might be able to experience that free gift of salvation and have that debt canceled that we could never repay. And Jesus, we're so grateful for that gift and that wherever your spirit is, there is liberty, there's freedom. We'll never get over that outrageous gift. It's in your name that we pray this, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, if the Lord spoke to you this morning, let's just give him an applause this morning. Man. I read Joe's book a while back, and it was just wrenching on me. And to be perfectly transparent, my wife and I, we've never always been on the same page at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes she'll be on the page, and I'm not on that page. And sometimes I'm on the page. And, and our hope is that conversation would happen with you today. We prayed for that this morning, that we prayed that conversation would happen. Because, friends, let's be honest, it's, it's a hard issue. It's a hard issue. And I love Joe's passion for this. Because it just stirs something with inside of me. Because, friends, it's a hard issue. Because imagine if we controlled our finances instead of our finances controlling us. What we could do for 49091. What could we do, friends? And so allow Jesus to come into your heart when it talks about our finances. So I'd really encourage you to come this evening and just be spurred on and encouraged in this area. If you're a guest this morning, you picked a heck of a week to come. I'm glad that you're here. My name is Brandon, our community and Next Steps pastor. We're going to receive our tithes and offerings this morning. And, and maybe you're sitting there and the Lord's working on your heart and, and maybe this is one of those angry tithes this morning. And maybe this morning it's like for the first time you get it. Praise Jesus. But if you're a guest this morning, I'm glad that you're here at the bottom of that paper. Fill that out. Head to Guest Ventral. Walk out these doors. Go to the left. We have a gift for you because we appreciate you. We appreciate you coming and checking out Radiant Life. But this is just one way that we continue to worship God. So let's lift up this tithe and offering this morning. Jesus, thank you for stirring in our hearts. Thank you that maybe we're sitting here and we're just wrestling with this thing right now. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just inspire these thoughts, inspire conversation. So Jesus, we give you this offering. We praise you for what you're doing with it. That there's a number of 500 souls that have been saved written on the back wall. And we give you the credit. We give you 